Customer engagement used to be all nice restaurants and tea times. But with ZoomInfo, you can engage with the right customers across all channels from one platform. Engage customers at zoominfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Brandon Lee Gowton. We are brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings BLG. How you doing today, sir? Stats, I feel like our show is needed more now than ever after a crazy week in the nfl upside down it's like how do we make sense of this all the nfl doesn't make any sense stats you go into a week you think you know (laughs) these things are going to happen you think the bills are easily going to take care of the jacks and then it doesn't happen and then you're left wondering what do i know and thankfully we have the officially 100 accurate power rankings to help everyone make sense of what we saw You are 100% right. If you are new to the show, you get those every single week. We reset the state of the league with those power rankings. But before we do that, BLG, we got to get to the Monday night football game last night. Bears, Steelers, Steelers look like they're in control. And then all of a sudden, the guy that you killed constantly, (laughs) Justin Fields, rises up and shows at least some of the ability that so many people thought he had. Yeah, what do you want me to say here? Stats that I was wrong? Because, uh, was I? <laughs> mm. uh, here's what I'll say about Justin Fields. Uh, I think that's a, a lot of people have used this phrase, and I think it's accurate, is that's like an arrow pointing up kind of performance. I think this is definitely a step in the right direction for him. I think you have to give him a lot of credit, made some good throws. I still think, which is basically my point of umbrage with him, stats, is that people talk about him not always in the most realistic way, and, you know, this is still a guy who has four touchdowns to eight interceptions this year, also eight fumbles, also takes a lot of sacks. And I know the Bears offensive line isn't great, but he holds onto the ball for a very long time. So that also contributes to it. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not saying the book has been written on Justin Fields by any means just yet. I think this was a step in the right direction. He's had a couple of good games in a row. I thought he played well against the 49ers. Obviously, they lost that game, but I thought he played well. He flashed in this one. Like, if I'm a Bears fan, this is what I want to see, right? He's getting some game experience under his belt. He's starting to look a little better. Are there things to work on? 100%. All your criticisms are totally fair, and anyone that doesn't acknowledge those is out of their mind because they're clearly there. But he looks like he's progressing, and that's all this season is about if you're a Bears fan. That is it. So you're getting what you want from that perspective. And I think it has to be a little reassuring for Bears fans to see him do that when Matt Nagy was actually there, right? Yeah, uh, for sure. That was a big talking point coming out of last week. I mean, some of the passes were just really nice. You know, some of those shots uh, over the middle, uh, huge plays, ball right on the money. You can just see the arm talent, too. That ball is like, you know, moving with velocity. Um, there's some really nice throws in there. Uh, almost hit Darnell Mooney at one point for a deep shot. Um, obviously had that really big completion to Allen Robinson. So there's some really good throws in there. I thought that was encouraging to see. Obviously against a tough Steelers defense on the road, too. And in crucial spots, you know, uh, leaving the field with the lead late in the game. Now, obviously, the Steelers came back, of course. But still, like, being in that spot to kind of lead your team uh, and, and take control 
uh, give your chance uh, a team to win. I think it was the first lead of the game stats um, mm-hmm. in a big spot. So, yeah, again, positive things. I still think he has a long, long way to go, like a long way to go. I don't think this is like he's, he's close. He has a long way to go. But I think he's trending in the right direction after this kind of performance. I agree with you. Now we should talk about the Steelers since they actually won the game. The The big controversy coming out of this one is the benefit that the Steelers got from a, I'm sorry, I'm going to call it a, just a weak ass <laughs> taunting call on Cassius Marsh. He sacks Ben Roethlisberger on third down. Steelers would have been out of field goal range and he does his normal sack celebration, which by the way is barely a celebration and he gets flagged by Tony Carrente for taunting, which is a 15-yard penalty. Horrible call by Carrente, in my opinion. I almost thought it was for the celebration at first when I first saw the flag because, you know, he does what, like the spin kick thing, uh, roundhouse kick, whatever. I don't know what that's called. Whatever that kick is. I'm not a martial <laughs> artist. Uh, I was only named after one son. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, it's terrible stats. And obviously, you know, we all every it's not like even a take to be like, this rule is bad. Who is out there being like this? Actually, this rule is good. Like, I think everyone is pretty unanimously in favor uh, of this rule being eliminated. But uh, it's stupid. And it's, it's stupid that it's here, too. I don't I don't want to, like, take the ref off the hook for just being like, well, the rule is dumb, but he has to enforce it. No, no, he does not have to enforce <laughs> that there. Like, cause that's a judgment call. And what about that was like so offensive. I mean, Cassius Morris is like, what, like 20 yards away from the Steelers sideline. He's not even like, like he's not even like right up in their grill, which I think is still dumb, but like, you can't even say like, this is, you know, some, something where he even said something. Cause he didn't, he was, just, his lips are closed the whole time. It's just, it's stupid. It's silly. No one is here for this. Uh, I, I just don't get what the point of it is. The point of it is the old fuddy-duddies on the competition committee and the NFL owners don't like it when players express themselves. That's all it is. This is a rule specifically made to cater to those people because if the NFL gave a rat's ass about what the actual viewing audience wanted, they clearly would not have made this a point of emphasis this year. But you heard the people on the competition committee say it. Well, we don't like the taunting. Why? Because Tyreek Hill threw up the deuces? and somebody threw up the deuces in Tyree Kill's face, like, that's good. That There have been no fights that have started in the NFL, right? Nobody gets into a big brawl because somebody does a celebration. The fights start when there's, like, a, a late hit on the sideline or your quarterback slides and somebody crashes into him. That's when the fights start. There are no fights because of taunting. So I feel like the NFL's tried to solve a problem that doesn't exist just because the old dudes that are in control don't like it. He didn't even like gesture. He just looked like he's just looking like you're penalizing someone for looking like like, (laughs) it's so silly. I mean, I guess like the way, you know, the broadcast showed it, it kind of looked like he could have been taunting the punter. Um, (sighs) I don't know if that's what Corrente saw. No, I'm not saying like, you know, that's justified. I'm just saying I think that's maybe like the best explanation I can figure out. But like even so, like. First of all, it's the punter. Like, who cares? Like, like, I mean, the punter cares that he's getting taunted. He has, like, nothing to do with anything, um, you know, that a defensive player is doing. So that's, like, a, a weird move, even if that was happening. Uh, it's just dumb. It's really dumb stats. And and honestly, I kind of feel bad. if You know, if you're a Bears fan, uh, you're feeling like you got hosed, not only on that call, but there were some other, like, really bad calls, I believe, in this game. And I don't think it's ultimately the reason – um, you know, why the Steelers won. I don't think it was like the Steelers win was just handed to them, but they definitely, the Bears kind of got screwed in this one more than just that play. I agree though. The Steelers, part of, of this win is the Steelers had to take advantage of 
the things that went their way. And to their credit, they did, right? They didn't automatically get three points because of that taunting penalty. They had to gain more yards. They actually had a third, and I think it was third and 16, and they gained enough yardage on that third down to put them in position to kick a field goal. So credit to the Steelers. They get it done. Here they sit, BLG, and I feel like we are on a roller coaster with this team. They're five and three. They're second in the AFC North. You know, they lost three in a row at one point, and now they have won four straight games. Where are you on your Steelers belief right now? Um, so when you look at my power rankings, a little spoiler uh, alert here, you know, I have them around the middle of the pack. I have them at 13, just above, you know, the the average mark if we're saying that's at 16. So, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't a top 10 team by any means, but as we like to talk about, not just here on the oddcast, but across the SB Nation NFL show as a whole, Mike Tomlin's just a really good head coach. Like you're going you're to have a chance every single week with that guy on your sideline and the Steelers as a whole. So like even when things looked a little bit more bleak for them earlier this season and even going into the year and certainly why I wasn't down on them as much as like someone like, let's say RJ was, is they, there's a reason they haven't had a losing season in so long. Like yep. there's, it's not just an accident. Like there's, there's a culture of stability here and like, they're just going to grind it out. The Steelers are that kind of team. They're, they're just going to grind you down. They might not be the best. And Big Ben can barely throw a football maybe anymore, but they get it done somehow. Like that, that's, that's kind of at, at the end of the day, they just find ways to get it done. Uh, I thought Ben had some good throws in terms of like some, you know, nice back shoulder throws. You know, obviously uh, it's frustrating to watch an offense and honestly traumatizing to me, kind of <laughs> triggering uh, to watch an offense where you're just like dinking and dunking down the field all the time. That's like what the 2018, 2019 kind of Eagles were, where they didn't have a deep threat and they just had to go like station to station all the time. And that's just like, so, frustrating and infuriating to watch because it's just like this bog offense that you have to take a bunch of plays to get down the field There's i can no relate explosive yes. threat yeah it's 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 terrible to watch um but hey it's kind of working for them and uh they're riding it and you know it's it's gonna they're not gonna be able to hang with the big boys at the end of the day like they're not gonna you know they're not going far into the playoffs but they might win a playoff game and they're, they're probably they might make the playoffs yeah the afc north has two teams the steelers and the ravens who you just you cannot kill them. Like they're, uh, this sounds like a knock, but I don't mean it like a knock. They're like football cockroaches. Like no matter what you do, they just find a way to survive and they keep going. And like you said, there's a reason Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. And congratulations to them. They are earning everything they get. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we will look at the only 100% accurate power rankings in the entire NFL podcast kingdom. Businesses have always needed customers. So customer engagement has always been a thing. You know, steak dinners, golf, in-person handshakes. Not exactly efficient, though. But thanks to Zoom Info, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at ZoomInfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. This is the off-day debrief here on the SB Nation NFL show. All right, BLG, the power rankings are out. 
by the way, if you want to check them out, please go to bleedinggreennation.com. They are there for you every single week. They are packed full of little statistics and nuggets and information for you. I highly recommend it. Check out where your team is, of course, but then read the rest of them too. They are absolutely fantastic. As I will every week, I will read the top 10 and then we will talk about them. Number one, up from number seven, the Tennessee Mm. Titans. That is a massive jump for them. Cardinals are at two after their destruction of my 49ers. The Rams go to number three. The Packers of Green Bay at number four. The Bucks at five. The Bills at six. Ravens seven. Cowboys eight. Chargers nine. And Chiefs 10. And just to illustrate what a crazy week it was, 40% of the top 10 lost this week which is unbelievable so i don't know how how did you juggle all of that when trying to figure this out uh definitely a challenge stats it's always it's fun you know kind of have this movement here but it's it's a tough system because you know you're you're like okay what do i do with a team like the bills who just lost to the jags like where do i put them now and i had to (laughs) the jags stat to urban meyer and i know look i know the bills kind of struggled last week you know against the dolphins but i was like you know what that's a divisional game uh weird things can happen um, I think the Bills were coming off their bye at that point. You know, maybe a little rust, whatever you want to say. But then you lose to the freaking Jags. Like, that's just insane. You can't do that. Um, so, you know, I had to drop him out of the top five because that's a really bad performance. That's a really, really bad loss. Um, I, I think we should talk about the Titans at the top. Obviously, just like, so when we looked, or when I was at least looking at this Titans schedule uh, a couple weeks ago, stats, and I was doing that because I was like, hey, Eagles don't have to worry about the Colts benching Carson Wentz because, like, the Titans are going to lose some of these tough games here, and the Colts have an easy schedule. They're going to win some. Mm-hmm. Titans didn't do that. <laughs> they just gone out and, like, beat all these teams. And, like, not just, like, eked by them. I mean, they did that with the Bills, but they're, like, beating these teams. They're, like, clearly decisively showing that, like, they're the better team in these games. And it kind of gets back to that whole – remember that quote? Uh, I, I couldn't help but think of this um, by what was his name? Mike Malarkey, like sm- exotic smash mouth. But that mm-hmm. was like silly and like didn't really actually maybe represent what the Titans were. But I feel like that's what they are now without him for some reason. They're just like this punch you in the face, smash mouth, physical team. Uh, I don't know if it's like Mike Rabel's aesthetic, too, as like this big kind of hulking head coach as opposed to like a smaller <laughs> guy. There's something about it. Like that team is just tough. Uh, maybe it's the alliteration, Tennessee Titans tough. Uh, I, I really <laughs> like where this team is at. Tannehill, that's another T for you right there. Uh, they get touchdowns, another T. Okay, uh, you got to stop. There we go. <laughs> you're no, out you're of doing it. It's fine. <laughs> um, no, you're right. And it, the crazy thing is if you told me the Tennessee was going to win seven of eight games and the one game they didn't win would be to the Jets, I never would have believed you. But that's where we are this week. And to me, the mark of a good team is so they lose Derrick Henry, right, their best player. Adrian Peterson comes in and basically does nothing. He runs for 21 yards on 10 carries. But the defense rising up and not just beating, suffocating the Rams. The be- Maybe the best offense in the entire league. MVP, you know, possible front runner, Matthew Stafford, a quarterback. And they shut them down to hold them to only 16 points. That was really impressive to me because it showed that they can win different ways. And that's the mark of a really good team. McVay looked shook in that game. I don't know if you noticed that, but you saw him on the sideline. Like he looked, he looked frustrated. Like this isn't like you know that was that wasn't normal Sean McVay to me. Like he was like, <laughs> I don't have the answers. Like this is really frustrating. I'm not used to being in this spot. Um, so to get Sean McVay in that spot, a really big win here for the Titans. who are in a good spot here. I mean, number one, my rankings, most importantly, more than anything. Um, on the Ram side of it, stats. Um, like. I don't know that I'm saying like they're frauds or anything. You know, I dropped them down from one to three. 
Um, you know, I still think they're one of the best in the NFC. I, you know, I have the tight or the, the Cardinals ahead of them, obviously, which I actually want to get to them because I want to hear about your takes because I didn't get to hear the Niners Nation postgame show that you <laughs> were on. Uh, a Cardinals team that, you know, missing everyone or a ton of people. They're starting quarterback, uh, a lot of players. Obviously, J.J. Watt has been done for the season. And they still take it to the 49ers, who obviously I didn't think the Niners were very good. Um, but still, to, to go in there like that, like they did, I had the 49ers for context here, like 18th in my power rankings last week. So, I, you know, a below average team for sure. But to still beat them like they did, given the circumstances, it's pretty good. It's pathetic. It's pathetic and disgusting. Well, it's good for the Cardinals. By it's the 49ers. Bad for you. Credit to the Cardinals, because you know what? They had the perfect game plan. It's exactly what I would have done. They said, okay, we have Colt McCoy. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw screen passes and passes five yards past the line of scrimmage, and we're going to run the hell out of the ball with James Conner. And, you know, if that doesn't work, okay, maybe we'll try some different things, but that's going to be our game plan. And guess what? It worked every single time. Every single time. The 49ers never made Colt McCoy uncomfortable. I believe Arizona had nine third downs that were four yards or fewer. Like that's easy pickings for an NFL offense, especially an NFL offense, you know, life like Cliff Kingsbury. And I have to eat every bad thing I've ever said about Kingsbury. And I said this mm. on the instant reaction show, cause I've killed him. And you know what? He has been light years better than Kyle Shanahan this year. He's been a much, much better coach than I thought. I was wrong about Cliff Kingsbury, and I have to admit it because I've killed him, and he's proven me wrong this year. I don't think Kyle Shanahan is a good head coach, Stats. Uh, hot take right now with the 49ers struggling. But like when I when I say that, I mean, like I think everyone likes to think about Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, the, the brilliant offensive mind, but there's more, you know, than be, to being a head coach than just, you know, scheming up the offense. You know, there's managing personalities. There's, you know, like making the right decisions, especially when you're in a head coaching spot like Kyle Shanahan, where you're not just the head coach, but you have a lot of personnel and influence over the organization as a whole. And it doesn't seem like he's getting like a lot of these big picture items right. Obviously, you've covered that very well with the quarterback situation of it all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's impossible to ignore, right? We kind of said it going into the season, uh, or at least RJ and I, maybe about the skeptic, this, you know, being skeptical of Shanahan and looking at all these losing seasons. And like, at some point you can't just excuse everything. Like you can be like, Oh, mm -hmm. the injuries, blah, blah, blah. But like at some point you have to think like, well, maybe actually the good season was the anomaly and not all the other seasons, uh, especially when there's more of the bad ones than the good ones. So my question to you stats is Kyle Shanahan, and should he be on the hot seat? He's not on the hot seat because he just got a new deal and the Jed York's not going to fire him when he's got all that money to pay to him. So he is not on the hot seat at all. Should he be? How could he not be? This is going to be half a decade of performance. Jim Harbaugh went to three straight NFC championship games and a Super Bowl and was <laughs> fired after an eight and eight season. Like that's now granted there was more to that than on the field performance. Sure. He, he basically insulted the owner to his face in front of the entire team. That's not something you can do, but the point remains Kyle Shanahan is eight games under 500 as head coach of the 49ers. They've had one winning season since he's been there. Not only have they had losing seasons, they're 10 plus lost seasons. And I've never seen a head coach get a pass from his own fan base more than Kyle Shanahan. Now it's starting to turn now because fans are getting mad, but there are so many people out there that just excuse away year one because it was year one, which I kind of understand. 
But then Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt in 2018 and they totally excuse it as if you don't have to win if you have injuries, right? Like the Ravens lead the league in guys on IR. They're still at the top of their division. Like you, it's allowed. You can do that. You know, but Kyle Shanahan gets a pass for that. And 2019, obviously they go to the Super Bowl, number one seed. You're not going to, you're not going to rip him for that. Year after that, oh, they had a lot of injuries too. So that's a complete pass for that. Like, no, at some point you have to win. You just can't keep punting seasons away. So he he's absolutely deserving of criticism. He absolutely should be on the hot seat. He's not, but he should be. To your point about, you know, like a quarterback getting hurt. We just talked about the Steelers again, who, you know, they scrapped it together with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges to Duck avoid Hodges. a losing season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, obviously that's not all teams can just do that, but Hey, if Kyle Shanahan is supposed to be this head coach who gets up hyped up a lot, then that's kind of where you have to be. You have to be among those guys, not just, you know, uh, another head coach, a generic guy who can't rise above all, all that adversity. Uh, I want to move us stats here to the, well, I really want to talk about the Cowboys, but maybe not yet. Might have to save that for the NFC's mixtape. Uh, I'm going to bring it to the Chargers, who are back in the top 10. I have them moving up from 11 uh, to the 9 spot, as you mentioned, uh, atop the AFC West for sure now, especially with the Raiders losing to the freaking Giants. Um, the Chargers stats. Uh, Justin Herbert back, I would say, uh, after two really bad games, or his pass rating was in the 60s, bounced back. Uh, obviously he played against a very soft Eagles defense, which is just, as you mentioned on the Sunday recap show, uh, just insane has allowed what five or six quarterbacks now over 80% this year, which is just like, it's an insane number. Like from, I think it was from 1950 until 2020, the Eagles had only allowed like eight, I think, or so, or six performances uh, of eighty <laughs> percent completion, and now they have allowed like five this season. Like it's it's insanity. It's like it's an insane stat, and uh, so obviously that helped Justin Herbert. But I don't think it was just you know the Eagles' defense being soft and bad that you know, made him have a really good game. Um, he still went out and executed. He made a wonderful throw across the field, like fifty-five yard shot opposite <laughs> half to Mike Williams with Darius Slay, not even in bad clay coverage. Like Slay was a little bit behind him, but he was like you know he was right there with him. And still, it's just like it doesn't matter because he is that kind of a special arm uh and you know uh I, I, the Chargers were without both of their starting quarterbacks too in this game they were missing Asante Samuel Jr. and Michael Davis so to kind of you know gut this one out and get a win in Philly even though it wasn't you know like a blow or anything I think it's a really important win for them yeah you know I talked about signs of progression with Justin Fields and the same thing with Herbert this is what I love right he's coming off some down weeks they're in a game with the Eagles that like you would think that they would be up you know, it wouldn't be such a close game, but here they are. They're in a close game. He gets the ball back with six minutes and seven seconds left in the game. It is tied and he drives the team all the way down the field and they kick the go ahead field goal with two seconds left in the game. That is absolute beauty by Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense. That is exactly how they would have drawn it up when they got the ball back. They needed a big drive right there from their quarterback. The good ones get it done, and he absolutely did it. I think it's something that he can build off of. It's got to be good for the confidence. And, oh, my God, the Chargers executing at the end of a game in a tight late-game situation. It's a new era there for the Chargers. 
when the Eagles were really good once upon a time stats in 2017, <laughs> they actually had a drive like this against the Chargers that season and many teams where, you know, they'd get the ball back and a key spot with, you know, let's say like seven, eight, whatever, six minutes to go. And they would just go down and they would just grind it out and they would kick the field goal or get the touchdown, whatever, to cap off the game. That's that's championship football. To be able to go that and close yes. the game out. I know that sounds simple, but to be able to do that is a big thing to not have a three and out there and give that other team or the other team uh, a shot of life there. Um, really good stuff by Justin Herbert, who had the quickest time to throw, actually, in week nine, 2.35 seconds per pro football focus. Um, Chargers offensive line, I think, did a great job. They allowed zero sacks, zero quarterback hits on Herbert. Um, and this, despite missing their starting right guard and their starting right tackle. And against an Eagles defensive line, that gets a lot of hype. Obviously, I think they've been underperforming. But still, you know, it's not like just a bunch of nobodies on Philly's, yep. uh, on Philly's side of the ball there. So, yeah, good win for them. Uh, flipping it to the Eagles side of it, stats, as you know, I have to talk about the team that I cover. Uh, <laughs> Justin Herbert had six attempts alone on that final drive that we just talked about. Jalen Hurts had eight attempts in the second half of the game. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to like crush Jalen Hurts after this game because he had two really big touchdown drives that were crucial at the end of this. There were a number of third downs in there, specifically a couple like third and fours where he dropped back, nothing was there. He took off running, and the Chargers didn't have an answer for it. Like, he was just taking off and picking up these key first downs. He got flipped over at one point, which, you know, made it the rounds on Twitter and everything. A tough player, gutty player. Um, the problem is, stats, sometimes you are defined by what you do not do. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Hurts himself, to his credit, admitted after the game – all he could think about are these two misplays. One he had where uh, he couldn't step up into the throw because there was pressure on him, but Dallas Goddard was literally wide open in the middle of the field. It could have been a touchdown. It would at least put the Eagles in the red zone, and he just missed him. And that looms large, especially on a third down. Uh, it was a third and five. Then the Eagles went out into punt, uh, fourth and five from the 45-yard line, which is dumb and cowardly by Nick Sirianni. But that's a different story. <laughs> and then uh, a bigger one, Devontae Smith opened in the end zone, and Jalen Hurts is just like, rolling back for some reason. I think he anticipated a blitz or he thought there was a blitz coming. So he's like throwing off his back foot, but in reality, no one's there. So he's just throwing off his back foot while no <laughs> one is there and he's missing an open Devonte Smith. And then you kick a field goal there instead of getting a touchdown. And that's big in a game again, that you lose by three points. So I think it's about the missed opportunities. You know, we can say some of the stuff about like Jalen hurts is young. He, maybe he's arrows pointing up, whatever, Justin Fields, you know, kind of thing. Like he's, he's a young player. He could get better, but like, I just think there are limitations here. And I think you you see this with Jimmy G in terms of arm talent and everything. You just know, like, okay, he can do some good things. But at the end of the day, these limitations are going to prevent you from winning something really meaningful. Um, so I think while it was kind of like a moral victory for the Eagles in the sense that, like, hey, they looked pretty competent and they were in it to the end. It was a back-and-forth game against a good team. Like, I just – I think the quarterback position just – like, it might be good enough, but good enough isn't good enough. There's a couple things I think you can take away from this game. One, Devontae Smith is a stud, man. That dude can play. All the, you know, the worries about, is he too small? Is he going to get, the dude knows how to get open. Like you could see it already. You know, I always make the analogy. You don't have to finish the whole meal to know that the food tastes good. Devontae Smith is a stud. (laughs) With Jalen Hurts, the thing that I'll say is, there's a place for him in the league. He's an NFL quarterback for sure. Now, I don't know, like you said, if he's your starter, I don't know what your ceiling is. I don't know how good you can be. But I, if Jalen Hurts is your backup quarterback, you feel really damn good. And I feel like if the Eagles had more talent around him and they won some of those games, he would be a guy like 
like the way Giants fans feel about Eli Manning. They love Eli. Now, obviously, he won Super Bowl, so that's part of it, right? But there are some <laughs> guys that, like, your fan base loves more than everybody else. That would be Jalen Hurts if the Eagles had a little more talent around him. Jalen Hurts' stats is, like, all the intangibles. He is such an easy player to want to, like, you want to see him do well. Like, yes. you really do. I think, but that's the kind of the frustrating part because you have that part of you that like wants to manifest Jalen Hurts into being this franchise quarterback. But at least for me and maybe some of his other skeptics, it's like you know, it's just like it's not there. Like it's just not quite. He just doesn't quite have it. And again, we have uh, what eight games left this season. There's still time for him. I'm not saying again. It's like he's definitely done so. But I will say the Eagles shifting from their offensive philosophy from earlier in the year. Everyone's like, why aren't the Eagles running the ball? They're passing way too much. And that was true. But I think part of that stats was like, the Eagles know they're not all in this year and it's a bit of a transition year and they kind of want to figure out like, what do we have at quarterback? What do we have a head coach? Yep. And I think early in the season, part of that was like, we're going to put this on Jalen Hurts' plate and see how he does with it. It's, it's a tough ask, but we need to see how he does with it because mm-hmm. this is kind of how we're gauging our quarterback. And I think it came to a point where they realized they couldn't do that more and they have to shift it very run heavy, which is good for, again, the Eagles winning in the short term. But I just I don't think you're sustaining that long term. I don't think you're building a championship offense um, about, around the run game and having a quarterback who's throwing like 17 times like he did in this game. And what was it, like 14 against the Lions? Like I know like their offense is more efficient and everything, but I just don't think you're beating like the big boys like that. Like you're beating like, you know, Tom Brady and, you know, and like the, the Titans, I guess now <laughs> and the Rams, like you're beating them like that. I, I just don't know about that. What was your reaction to fan throwing a bouquet oh, of flowers at Nick Sirianni as he left the field because Sirianni had made this analogy of the team, how it has is growing like a flower. It's dumb, man. There's no play. I mean, just don't do it. Just like don't throw stuff at people. It's just a game. At the end of the day, like it's not supposed to be. You know, we went through this when uh, the Sixers were in the playoffs. You know, against the the Wizards last year or earlier this year, I guess it was rather, and last season. And you know, uh, fan threw popcorn at Russell Westbrook as he was walking off the. It's just like don't do that. Like it just makes everyone look bad. It's not necessary. It's dumb. It's not funny. Like. Okay, I, I get you're trying to be funny, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's stupid. I felt bad for Nick Sirianni um, because he looked obviously bothered by it. And anyone would be. And I, and I couldn't like see clearly where he got hit in that video because it was kind of like a blurry video. But it seemed like he might have gotten hit in the head. Like, that's, you know, like, no, that's not a good thing. Like, especially in the moment, like, think about being Nick Sirianni and, you know, coming off this big emotional, like, you know, disappointing thing. And he had a good game, too. It wasn't even like Sirianni had a bad game. And, like, you know, he's getting pelted for sucking. Like, I thought Nick Sirianni did good. It was probably one of his, might have been his best game of the season, or at least one of them, <laughs> um, at least in the loss, uh, for sure. And then he's, you know, getting you know, hit with stuff. So uh, it's just dumb. I like the callback to the flower thing. I have no problem with that. <laughs> But you're right. Like, you have to do it some other way. Stop throwing things at people. Just stop. Like, and I know, oh, it's flower. Like, no, stop throwing things at people. That's it. Like, this is not a complicated thing. All right, let's move on to our MVP and LVP points of the week, BLG. And by the way, we should explain to people, in case you forgot or you never knew, because we haven't been explaining it every week. The point of the MVP and LVP points is that at the end of the year, we can go back and look and kind of because you're keeping track of all these BLGs. Yes. So we'll be able to go back and kind of look at the standings and see like, all right, was there somebody that stuck out as, you know, a huge reason that his team had success or in the opposite direction, a huge team that they failed? 
Yeah, uh, so that'll be fun. I think maybe we'll hand out an official, you know, Oddcast MVP and Oddcast LVP. Maybe we can get a trophy made up. Probably not, but maybe we can. (laughs) And and hand that to a player. That'd be really funny, like handing it to, uh, let's say, Justin Herbert. Like, here, Justin Herbert. We'll send it to him somehow. You go on the Oddcast MVP, and he'll be like, what the hell is this? Um, So can't wait for that. Uh, All right, so I have one MVP point and two LVPs this week, and you have the opposite. I'm going to give out my MVP point first. And I'm giving it to Josh Allen and not Hmm. Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars, because how many times this season do I get to give an MVP point to a Jaguar? But when you win a nine to six game and you have an interception, a sack and a fumble recovery, like you are the MVP credit to Josh Allen. You know, maybe he was more fired up than normal to play this game. I don't know, but credit to him. I mean, that is a dominant performance against what we think is a really good team. And, uh, Jags get the win, 9-6. Congrats, Josh Allen. This was, like, always going to happen. Like, you can't convince me. Like, this isn't some kind of, like, destiny. You can't convince me, like, we're not living in some sort of a simulation. Like, this, like how crazy is this? How crazy is this that this is going to happen? Like, I, I don't know. Like you said, like, is it just he wanted it more because he's playing a player with his name? But, like, okay. Like, I don't think that's how it works because I think you, you kind of want it every week to some extent. Uh It's crazy. I don't know how to explain this. This happening in a week where the NFL is just so crazy. Is this like it's another (laughs) just totally just like mind blown kind of thing here. Uh, I had this down in mine, but I had some alternate picks if you did do this. So uh, I like that. Now I can get to my alternate picks. Um, But I'm going to start first with the one I had here, regardless, that's my first MVP, is Jeffrey Simmons, who played, obviously, a big role in the Titans beating the Rams. I mean, Aaron Donald's still really good, you know, best defensive tackle in the NFL. But how about Jeffrey Simmons, like, showing up even larger in a win? Like, like that's that's a really good performance. Like, when you can kind of, like, be the – like, he was the Aaron Donald of that game. Like, you know, and, and it was the bigger impact player, again, in his team's win. So I think that's a really good performance by him. Uh, you know, there was question when the Titans took him, you know, like, are, are they going to, is this really the, the smart thing to do? A lot of people always talk about like, oh yeah, you take an injured player, you sit them and it's actually smart. But there are a lot of examples, and I would know this too well, of teams taking injured players. And I think you would too with the 49ers to some extent. Uh, yes, I'm aware. Where like they take that red shirt guy and it doesn't work out. Well, Clearly it did for the Titans, so I think this is a good job by their front office. It's a good job by the player. I think it's a well-deserved MVP point for Jeffrey Simmons. And then my final MVP stats I will give to who I originally had as Josh Allen down here, but now I can give it to who I really wanted to give it to all along. It is the aforementioned Devontae Smith, who <laughs> led all NFL receivers in receiving yards in week nine and was PFF's number one graded wide receiver. I think what you have to consider here about why this performance is like, especially uh, effective and impressive is one I'm biased. And obviously I love Devonte Smith. And two is that again, John Hurts only threw the ball 17 times that this wasn't like some kind of volume, you know, like just like a lot of receptions for a lot of yards. Like this was extremely efficient by him. He should have had again, another touchdown that Jalen hurts missed. So he would have caught like six of his six targets for two touchdowns and 120 or something. Um, Devonte Smith is coming on. I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts. And I believe this isn't just biased that like if Devonte Smith 
had a quarterback who was better and could throw the ball up more consistently, he would like be crushing it this year. I think he would have like a Justin Jefferson like, I don't know, you know, as good as Justin Jefferson last year or better, but like he would be having that kind of season if he had a quarterback who could target him and get the ball to him with more consistency. And this is something that I talk about a lot with 49er fans because the Niners are just flat out not playing their rookies that they drafted this year. And people keep telling me like, oh, guys need time to develop. They need time to get ready. Like, No, they don't. The good ones are good <laughs> right away. The studs, the, the people that you hope your rookies turn into as a fan, they're good right out of the gate. Nick Bosa was a monster right out of the gate. Devontae Smith is good right now. Yeah. Could he be better? And will he be better with a better quarterback and a couple of years of experience? Absolutely. But you can see, you just watch the games. You can see the good ones are good right out of the shoot. And he is. And I, I you were on it from from before he was drafted that he was the guy you wanted and he has i mean i think honestly like he's has he surpassed your expectations um i would say he's at them because they were very high uh i thought you know i expected him to break the eagles rookie receiving record previously set by deshaun jackson now member of the raiders and uh i think he's you know i think he will get there assuming they continue to target him like they should and, and he should be this volume target kind of guy uh they're honestly not throwing the ball to him enough park him like 10 times a game like run the offense through him why not, right? Like, who else is he going to run the offense through? And by the way, he's the guy that defenses are trying to stop when they game plan for this Eagles team, and he's still doing it. That should give you even more right. joy this season as he's been game planned for, and he's still producing. Uh, my first LVP is somebody that we kind of talked about this team already, but I got to give it to Matthew Stafford. You know, Ooh. interceptions on two straight possessions. He had the Carson Wentz play, BLG. Yeah. He's backed up in his own end zone. He's in the end zone. He's getting spun around in, and he just chucks the ball. Like, do teams not realize that a safety is worth less than a touchdown? Like, safety is two <laughs> points. A touchdown is six points. Take the safety, maybe. And he just throws it out there. And I, I don't know if, like, they just, you know, took them lightly because Derrick Henry wasn't there. But you would think if there was one player that is up for every game, right? That is hungrier than all the rest on the Rams. A lot of those guys in the Rams have had a ton of success, but you would think the one guy that would still be hungry is Matt Stafford, who's had nothing but losing in his career with the Lions, but Detroit Matthew Stafford showed up in that game. Also, just kind of watching the earlier games that day and seeing the Cowboys lose and right. seeing the Packers lose, it's like, hey, guys, you know, here's our chance to kind of, you know, make sure we're getting that number one seed. Obviously, the Cardinals won, but still, like, uh, here's, our, here's our chance to really take advantage of this. And they didn't. And that's a big missed opportunity. Yeah, that's a really good point by you. They had the benefit of that, of seeing what was on the table for them, and they totally gacked it up. Now, they could still get the number one seed, but that's a bad, sure. bad performance by Matthew Stafford. Uh, who's your first LVP? Or your your LVP, my sole LVP is incredibly on brand. It's really on brand for me this week. Like the Jeffrey Simmons one isn't an on brand thing for me. That's just you know whatever. Devontae Smith MVP like really biased and on brand. Uh, but my LVP is one Dak. Prescott. Oh. <laughs> and it's incredibly deserved. These aren't my words. This is RJ Ochoa talking right now. Quote: This was one of the worst games of Dak Prescott's career. By far. So Dak Prescott gets the LVP. I think he will bounce back ultimately. I think this is a result of him, you know, kind of having some rust coming off this injury, maybe not being fully 100%. Although I will say, I asked RJ, like, what's going on, like, during the game? And he said he didn't think it was just because, like, Dak wasn't 100%. So we'll see about that. Uh, I feel like RJ deserves some of this uh, 
LVP too. I can't <laughs> give it to him, but I want to because he was the one ragged. No one has ragged harder on the Broncos on the entire SB Nation NFL show stats than RJ throughout the year. And uh, Cowboys lost to them and in a bad way. So uh, Dak was really bad. And again, kind of talking about how uh, like just this is a really crucial loss in the NFC that's really competitive at the top. And this might at the end of the year, this might be the game that costs the Cowboys their chances of getting that number one seed. So uh, I said on the NFC mixtape last week that the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. Maybe that was just a little bit of a reverse jinx energy I was going for there. Uh, <laughs> not really, but it worked anyway. So kudos to me and kudos to the Broncos for beating the Cowboys. But LVP for Dak Prescott, who should not be winning the MVP this year because you have a really bad game like this and you miss a game last week. So he can't win it. Sorry, it's done. So sometimes I think we forget this, but Vic Fangio is a really good defensive head coach. Like really, really good. He, we saw it with the Broncos when he was there. Uh, with the Broncos, excuse me. We saw it with the Bears when he was there. We saw it with the 49ers when he was there, with the Patrick Willis, Navarro, Bowman defenses. Like, that's him. He's a really good defensive head coach. And, you know, I think sometimes we forget that, and he knows what he's doing, and I think he got the better of Dak Prescott in this game. And the other thing I'll say for the Cowboys is their defense has thrived getting turnovers this year. I think the turnovers has have masked a lot of the issues with the Cowboys defense. They didn't get any turnovers in this game and they got absolutely worked by Teddy Bridgewater and company. So that's just something to keep an eye on for me is if the Cowboys are not getting turnovers on defense, can they stop anybody? They couldn't stop Denver all day. Like you said, Dak Prescott had a bad game. That can happen. I'm not going to crush him for it, but if I understand the LVP point for you, especially considering your bias. So I'm fine with that. <laughs> My next LVP, and again, it's a team we already talked about, and it's on brand. It's Kyle Shanahan and D'Amico Ryan, <laughs> the whole 49ers team. You were blown off the field, blown off the field again at home. Eight straight times the 49ers were the home team, eight straight losses. You got beat by nothing, by Cole McCoy and James freaking Connor. Like, where is the heart with this team? Where is, who is the, pardon my French, who is the hole that's going to grab somebody's face mask and say we can't let this keep happening this game was 17-7 at halftime cardinals should never have been winning but niners had a couple turnovers whatever 17-7 totally winnable for the 49ers and halfway through the third quarter it was 31 to 7 they came out at halftime and got their doors blown in pathetic performance by kyle shanahan and the 49ers and i don't know what's going to change i really don't Kyle Shanahan, I believe, leads, and by leads, I mean is at the bottom uh, of when it comes to the LVP points this year. I think he has three, which I'm pretty sure is the wow. most. So I'm pretty sure you've, you're you the one who gave him all of those. So clearly not feeling – yeah, I believe it, you have been. Um, clearly, stats, you are not feeling Kyle Shanahan this year. Uh, once upon a time, the big reason why the 49ers were going to excel this year and go back to glory. But I think – so I think you're kind of in an inter interesting spot with Shanahan and the team as a whole. Um, I've been thinking about this stats in my free time. I think about you, apparently. And uh, <laughs> I feel like you're you're kind of reaching a point where I was with the Eagles when you start to become disillusioned because you think like, okay – 
in the Eagles, you know, in my case, they won the Super Bowl. That was great. In your case, they get there. You're like, okay, this team has what it takes to go back. Like, that's where your thinking was at this year. But then you're starting to see kind of, you know, the strings come loose here and things are starting to fall apart and you're getting disillusioned and you're feeling like, okay, what I thought to be true here and what was this model of stability and everything uh, is it was a lot more fragile than I realized. And it's not a great place to be in. And I think uh, a lot of people might come for you for being negative. Maybe, I don't know, about the yes. 49ers. Uh, yes, but I mean, you have to speak the truth. And I think the 49ers are trending any bad way right now. Maybe they get saved by Trey Lance coming in at some point if if they decide to play him at one point in the future. Um, but otherwise, it's you know, it's not things are not trending in the right direction for them. This is what I liken it to. I, I actually had never asked you this before. Are you a golfer, BLG? I'm not a disc okay. golfer sometimes, but no. Okay, well. Golfers, anybody that plays the game consistently knows, especially if you're a hack like me, that you can go out there and just be awful for 17 holes, just horrible, whacking the ball all over the place, shanking it, slicing it, topping it, everything. Then you get on that last hole, especially if it's the last hole. And all of a sudden, for one shining golden moment, your swing is perfect. And everything lines up and you don't even feel the ball come off the club face and rises majestically it's 300 yards perfectly straight right down the fairway you're the world's best golfer for that one swing and you're like my god i can't wait to come back i i got it now you know like i'm this is great i can't wait to play this is why i play it's so great and so you think that that might continue and it never does and that's where i am with kyle shanahan is like yeah sometimes the offense looks awesome and they go right down the field. They don't even, they had seven straight plays against the Bears, BLG, where they either gained a first down or a touchdown. Like they're just churning along down the field. But the problem is it's it's only that one shot. It's too few and far between. It's not consistent enough. So even though it can be great and the highs are super high at times, like we saw in the NFC Championship game against the Packers where they just destroyed them, it's not consistent enough. And that's where I am. And unless it can get there, you can't be the coach. You just can't. And, and so... Maybe that changes, like you say, with Trey Lance, but right now, that's where I am. No wild card fever for the 49ers? No, and this is the frustrating thing, right? Because they're, I mean, they're technically still in the hunt for the seventh seed, mathematically. Dude, dude, the NFC is such a joke. Oh, I know. At the end? At the, it's really but this bad. is the problem. So Kyle's not going to play Trey Lance until they're mathematically eliminated. But because the NFC mm. is such a joke, like you just said, they might not be mathematically eliminated till like week 17. So Trey Lance is not going to get the on-field reps and development that he needs this year. So it's going to be a wasted year. That's the frustrating part. The Falcons right now are the seventh seed, which is just like, what are we doing here? The Falcons got blown out by the Eagles in week one. The Falcons who have beaten what? Like the Giants, the Jets, uh, they just beat the Saints, but again, backup quarterback. And who else did they beat? Uh, the Dolphins. Okay, yes. great. Like, this is the team that's going to be like, like, did we really need to add a seventh seed? Like, it was, was that really because deserved? The, if the Niners won, they would have been the seventh seed. Oh, uh, my What gosh. about that? Yeah, it's just, no. I don't think we need to see this. Especially, uh, I mean, in the AFC, at least it looks a little better because some of those teams are more deserving. Yeah. Uh, it's a little more spread out, I guess. But, like, NFC looking pretty bad. I mean, that team's going to get just, like, housed by whoever ends up being the number two seed, I feel like.
this is where we are. But that's uh, the seventh seed in the NFC. Yeah, it's going to be like it's going to be like when a 500 team makes the playoffs. Although, to be fair, those teams have had some success in that first playoff game. So we'll see. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief. Again, we remind you, please rate, review and follow the SB Nation NFL show. If you leave a rating and a review, I promise you we will read it on the show. If you take the time to do it, we will take the time to read it. BLG. Enjoy your week, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for putting up with my ranting. See you, stats. We'll talk to you next week. Businesses have always needed customers, so customer engagement has always been a thing. You know, steak dinners, golf, in-person handshakes—not exactly efficient, though. But thanks to Zoom Info, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market.